this week we're considering confidence through competence and Peter is going to be preaching to us later on. We're also very blessed to have Sue and Naomi um, leading us in our sun worship this morning and I think Rachel are you still doing muddy church? Yeah okay it's going to be quite muddy church this morning I think. Um, so Rachel's going to be doing that a little bit later on and perhaps we'll hear from you um, what you're going to be doing and we'll pray for you before you go out. So as we begin our time of worship together this morning, I'd like us to pray this opening prayer. It's one of my favourite ones, so it's probably become familiar by now. Um, and it'd be wonderful, however old we are, if we can join in the actions that go with each line. So let's uh, pray this opening prayer together. Lord, we are here to worship you. Would you meet us through your Holy Spirit? Teach us through your word. Show us where we need to change and give us all we need to serve you in the world. For the glory of your name. Amen. Should have got you to stand, shouldn't I, so that you could face outwards, but never mind. Okay, we are going to stand now and we're going to sing our first two um, songs together. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art and 10,000 Reasons. So please do stand to sing.
Amen. Do have a seat. And as we come into God's holy presence, we become aware, don't we, of our need of his grace and his forgiveness in our lives. And so let's pause for a moment and then let's say this prayer of confession together. God of all ages, who from generation to generation has heard the cries of your children, humbly seeking forgiveness, and has welcomed sinners back into your embrace. Hear the thoughts of our hearts, examine our motives, and forgive us our faults. We ask this through your Son, who died and rose, that we might know the true cost of forgiveness. Amen. And now let's receive God's forgiveness into our hearts and into our lives. May the God of love and power forgive us and free us from all our sins, heal and strengthen us by his Spirit, and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, Rachel, do you want to come and... Um, Tell us what you're going to be doing this morning. Hi, everyone. Um, we were going to go outside, and it's rainy, and um, <clears throat> Felicity has a cold, so I think we're going to do some crafts at the back. But we're exploring Psalm 8, 3 to 5, and it's about how great thou art, the wonders of the stars and the sky and the beauty of creation and where we sit in that. So I'm just going to do some free flow art at the back. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks, Rachel. We will pray for you. Um, even though you're staying in, we will still pray for you, if that's okay. Um, Father God, I thank you um, for Rachel. I thank you for the children who are here this morning. And Lord, I pray that even though they can't go outside and see the the um, beauty of your creation in that way today. I pray that you will um, still help them to see what an amazing, creative God you are. Bless them this morning, Lord, as they do these crafts together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And um, as forgiven and restored people, we're going to stand and sing our next song, which is Here is Love, Fast as the Ocean.
Jacqueline's there already with our Bible reading. Thank you. The reading this morning is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 3. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, let's pray for Peter, shall we, as he comes to speak to us. Father, I thank you for Peter. Thank you for um, the time that he's spent dwelling in this passage and with you this week. And um, Lord, I pray that you will speak through him and that you'll give us hearts that are open and ready and soft enough to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, everybody, <clears throat> for your prayers. I've got one of those croaky throats this morning, so I'm hoping it'll be all right. But uh, let's see. How are you all doing? Okay? Yes? Good? Glad to hear it. Okay. Wonderful. So, as Debbie said, we're thinking this morning about confidence through competence and uh, the LICC series that... Uh, uh, it's called Confidence, is the, the overall title, the Confidence Devotional Journey sometimes it's, it's, it's called as well. And so we're looking at uh, different ways in which our confidence can grow uh, in our faith in Jesus on our front lines, those places where we are encountering those who don't yet call Jesus their Lord and their Saviour. And so yes, we're thinking this week about uh, having confidence through competence, Uh, Or in other words, as we are messengers of the gospel, as we are stewards or uh, those who share the gospel with those around us uh, on our front lines, that uh, that is, it gets easier, if you like, when our hearts and our minds are prepared. Uh, So let's, uh, Jacqueline's just read it, but let's let's look at the passage again and uh, maybe have have it on the screen, Ian, as well. So here we go. It's a very short reading. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to those or to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So this is the Apostle Peter. Uh, let's just think quickly about who he's writing to. You're experts on this, I'm sure, because you remember we did a sermon series on this last summer. Do you remember that, Peter, 1 Peter? Looking up a little bit, I'm sure, but some of you are. Uh, maybe um, remember, we did a whole series on 1 Peter, and, when, and we looked at the fact that Peter is writing to those who are scattered around the Roman Empire. He's, he's writing to the persecuted church. So 1 Peter 1, uh, you remember that uh, verse. It's Peter, the apostle and apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, Exiles are scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatia, etc. 
So he's writing to the scattered church, he's writing to those who are going through persecution, who are going through trials, and he wants them to know who they are. He wants them to know their identity in Christ. He wants them to know that they are saved in Christ. He wants them to know that they are the chosen ones of God. Even though they're in exile, even though they're in trouble, even though they're in a difficult situation, he wants them to know that God is with them and God loves them through and through and that they have a purpose in Christ. And so throughout this letter of 1 Peter, Peter's doing two things. Two things. He's urging them to do two things. He's, he's saying, put your hope completely in the gospel. Remember where your hope lies in the gospel. That's one thing he's saying. The other thing, he, thing he's saying is, is live a pure life, live a holy life as you live out your hope in the gospel. And so we get uh, where we, to the reading in uh, chapter 3 of his letter and verse 15. And Peter here is urging them to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that they have. So back in uh, 1 Peter 1, uh, Peter describes the hope that they have as a living hope that is made us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is an in eternal inheritance. It's not something that the grave can take away. It's not something that sin can take away. It's not something that anything can take away or anyone can take away. Let's look at those amazing verses right at the start of the letter of 1 Peter. I'll read 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 5, 3 through to 5. And he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And then he keeps going in this paean of praise uh, of God for what he's done. And so what Peter's doing, you see, is he wants us to grasp hold of this awe-inspiring hope that we have. This hope that we have, which is nothing less than Jesus Christ. And so the point is this. As disciples today, in our lives today, this hope that we have in Christ needs to be prompting questions in those around us as we go out in, about, in, in the world, in our lives. Peter is expecting believers to, to provoke questions that elicit an answer. So hope is tangible. It works itself out in our lives. And we are called to be ready to share why we have this hope. Now, the early Christians that Peter's writing to are in, as you know, the Roman Empire. And at the point that he's writing, the Roman Empire is against them. They are, you know, basically... They're not criminals, but they are, they are certainly persecuted. And so if you were a Christian in the Roman Empire before Constantine became a Christian, and you went against what they wanted, and you didn't bow, bow down to the emperor, etc., you would have been put on trial like that. You would have been standing trial in a court of law, and that, would law, that law court would be against you, and you would be facing possibly death. This is serious stuff for these Christians. That's the worst that could happen. 
Now, it, it, this, the, the possibility probably is that Peter's writing to those who are not facing persecution to that extent. But he's writing to ordinary, everyday Christians scattered around the, the Mediterranean. And he's saying, in your ordinary, so-called everyday lives, be ready to share why you believe in Jesus. Be ready for those spontaneous conversations that just happen out of nowhere, anytime. And for those of you who've been at this church for a little while, you remember a few years ago that we did a, a series, a sermon series called Living Questionable Lives. And it was based on this little book, but a great book called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And um, I'm going to quote to you something that I said in, in one of my sermons back then. Uh, I think it's 2018. Uh, and it was about this idea of, of living questionable lives, not so much, not obviously dubious lives, not lives that are, you know, falling short of the gospel, but lives that provoke an explanation, provoke a gospel explanation of uh, living our lives. Why do you live your life like that? And giving opportunities for gracious answers about our faith and the one who saves us. So I'm just going to quote you something from a sermon I, I, uh, I gave back in 2018. It's a bit provocative, but I still believe it now. And I quote, quote, If your and my only practices are going to church and attending meetings, church meetings, it's not going to connect us with unbelievers nor invite their curiosity about our faith. If we're trying to live questionable lives, then cutting the lawn, saying hi to our neighbours, washing our car, walking the dog, driving to the office every day, is hardly an intriguing lifestyle. We need habits that will unite us together as believers while also propelling us into the lives of others that don't just deplete our energy and burn us out as one more thing to do, but which re-energise us replenishing our reserves and connecting us more deeply to Jesus. After all, I think a fair question to ask would be, why would people want to join us is all they, if all they see is burnt out and joyless Christians? That's a bit provocative, but I, 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 I still believe that. If we're to provoke questions in those who are around us who aren't yet Christians, then our faith... And our hope needs to burn brightly through our lives. It's there in our passage in 1 Peter. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. So there's two things, aren't there? There's two things going on there. He says, revere, in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. So he's saying, revere Christ as Lord, make Christ your number one, as you are prepared to give an answer to those who are asking you, why is Jesus number one in your life? Or in other words, put it the other way around, as we are prepared to give an answer, we're revering Christ as Lord. They're connected, deeply connected. And so by putting Jesus in the centre of our lives and living for him, we are more willing to share our hope in him. And our, our words will be backed up by the quality of our lives. Now, this isn't easy, is it? None of this is easy. But we're not called to live comfortable lives as Christians. Peter the Apostle knows that all too well. 
Do you remember I asked the question, who is Peter writing to? We've answered that. Well, think about the other question. Who is writing the letter? It's Peter. This is Peter the disciple. This is, this is Peter who puts his foot in his mouth, left, right, and center, as he follows Jesus, uh, as he's called by Jesus. This is Peter the unschooled, ordinary fisherman from Galilee, who Jesus says, come and follow me. Peter knows, he knows more than anyone that, that blessing during suffering and speaking of hope during possible, during persecution was possible for flawed and failing men and women like you and me. He knew it because he'd lived it. Peter had traced Jesus' steps. If you recall in Acts chapter 4, Peter was arrested by the same Jewish council that had arrested Jesus. Peter stood before the same council who had questioned Jesus. And when Peter, on that occasion in Acts 4, is asked to uh, give a reason for his hope, is able to answer with great courage and boldness. Peter, the one who denied his master three times in that courtyard, when Jesus is before the, the Jewish Sanhedrin, boldly declares in Acts 4 this, to them, to those, question, those who are questioning him. He says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this Jesus is the stone that was reje- rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, verses 10, 11, and 12. Something has changed in Peter. Something has changed from that fearful, anxious man to this bold, courageous man. And the people around him said, ah, he's been with Jesus. That's why. What about you and me? If I was ever to be put in that place, I pray that I would be as bold as Peter. And I imagine that Peter, the apostle, felt far better that night after his court appearance in, in Acts 4 than he had on that miserable night in Luke 22 when he denied his Lord. And so this same Peter says, always be prepared, be ready. Sometimes we think, don't we, oh, that means it's a sort of reluctant, oh, yeah, do I have to? Yeah, if I really must... Or if no one else is available, I'll, yeah, I'll do it if I have to. But Peter's challenge is much more positive, much more proactive. He's saying, be ready and willing. Having done the thought, having done the praying, having prepared. And if we've done that preparation, it's far more likely that we will be bold and courageous to share our faith. Now, the other side of that is equally true. The converse of that is equally true. If we're not prepared, often leads to failure. Benjamin Franklin famously said this, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Just think of the number of disasters that's happened as a result of failing to prepare. One of the most infamous, of course, is the Titanic. That great ocean liner sailed 
1912, but on the night of April the 15th, 1912, over 1,500 people perished in the North Atlantic because people who had made that ship they thought ready was not ready. There was poor judgment, there was pride, there was lack of adequate safety measures. There's a failure to heed repeated warnings of icebergs, which led to that great ship sinking on that night with the loss of a great many lives. And so we need to be prepared. And so these verses, if we dig down a bit, they give us a little bit of an idea of how we can do that, how we are able to prepare ourselves. Let's just remind ourselves again of these verses. Peter says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So let's just pick, pick out, that this is the how. This is, how do we do this? Just quickly, our answers are, we're, we're, we're to be reasonable somebody asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? Our answer is to be reasonable. To give the reason for the hope that we have. Not just technical, not necessarily theological, but in in a way that is reflected on our faith, on your faith, and you grapple with that yourself. You've got an understanding of why you believe in Jesus. And at the same time, it's also sometimes a good thing to say, well, I don't know. Somebody says to you a really tricky question about the Old Testament, and you say, I, I don't know. I'll try and find out for you, and I'll come back, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. That's honest, isn't it? So be reasonable. Secondly, be personal. Describe the hope that you have, not the hope that somebody else has got. You're, what is your faith about? What makes li- living for Jesus hopeful for you, life-giving for you? That's when we need to cultivate our our promises. The promises of God are for you and for me. They're not for those around us. They are for you and me. It's personal. Thirdly, be calm and kind. Convey these things with gentleness. Being confident, being confident doesn't mean, you know, being overconfident. It means being kind as you speak to the other person. And lastly, reverence. Be respectful of the other person, respectful of God. And also, listen to what they're saying. Don't just jump in and say, oh, listen before you answer. Be reverent. Now, even if you get all those things right, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to become a Christian like that. Of course it doesn't. But that's our calling is to be a witness for Christ. Now at this point, I'm going to invite Jennifer Picard to come on up and to to share something of her experience of how this has been lived out, or how she's lived that out in her life. Thank you, Jennifer. Hello. 
Um, as you've just heard, that I'm Jennifer Pickard, and I've been worshipping at Christ Church now since 1979. Uh, I've held down several roles, uh, not held down, that's the wrong way. I've held several roles in the church in that time, but post-COVID, I've laid down most of them. God is a living God, and so it's not always appropriate to keep doing things just because you once did them. Some of you had noticed that during January and February of this year, I was absent from church. I was truly touched to realize that some people wondered where I was. I wondered if Peter might be thinking that I had jumped ship, so, so to speak, and so I wrote to him to give him an update of my doings and was called to add my words of thanks and encouragement and as a result of that correspondence I'm sharing with you today. I volunteer at the Mayfair Community Centre in Church Stretton two mornings a week, officially. I started volunteering after I heard about the centre through Hilary, Hilary Taylor, who was a volunteer receptionist there at the time. I began as a kitchen helper, because everybody can wash up, and progressed through to being a paid relief cook. In December last year, a member of the kitchen team became ill and was unable to continue his role um, as weekend cook for our Meals on Wheels service. So I was asked to step in, and this was the reason for my absence um, for about two months. I missed going to with Richard to each Saturday for the park run, which I don't do, I go for the coffee afterwards. And also, I missed coming to the Sunday services. I'm pleased to say that Mayfair has just appointed a replacement, so I'm more than happy to step back from that paid work. Attending Mayfair Community Centre is something that I really love. I very much enjoy the company and truly believe that God has placed me there to make a difference to anyone I come into contact with, be they people I work with or the customers I serve. I had several conversations last Friday where God was the centre. It included a lovely staff member who has great faith herself and in which she told me how God had seen her through her husband's death a few months ago. I know my conversations can be sometimes overheard, and I trust God to work as he sees fit. I'm just a small drop in God's ocean, but I'm willing to be used. My change of focus from church to community is what I believe to be part of my front line. It's a bit scary to be challenged to answer the question, why should one always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have? But I find the words do come. As Peter just said, if your only practices are going to church and attending meetings, it's not going to connect us with believers, with unbelievers, or invite their curiosity about our faith. So can I just encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and, be and become a real, I don't know the word, just to step out of your comfort zone because the Holy Spirit is there with you.
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Jennifer. Brave thing to do, but wonderful, isn't it? Very encouraging. uh, Jennifer said, as part of that, I know my conversations can sometimes be overheard and trust God to work as he sees fit. I'm just a small drop in God's ocean, but I'm willing to be used. I think that's the essence. I think that is, is, is the essence. Is that as we are available, as we are there, whether it's in the community center in Church Stretton or wherever it is, God uses us, graciously uses us. He speaks to us as we are available to him to be used by him. I want to finish um, with uh, another example of uh, how this has been lived out in practice. And this comes from a, a book written by Bill Hybels a few years ago called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And uh, he writes this. Recently, I saw a letter written by a relatively new Christian to the person whose life had influenced hers so greatly. She actually lists about a dozen qualities she found contagious in the life of this older Christian. Listen to some of the words that she wrote. You know, when we met, I began to discover a new vulnerability, a warmth, and a lack of pretense that impressed me. I saw in you a thriving spirit, no signs of internal stagnation anywhere. I could tell you were a growing person, and I liked that. I saw you had strong self-esteem, not based on the fluff of self-help books, but on something a whole lot deeper. I saw that you live by convictions and priorities and not just by convenience, selfish pleasure and financial gain. And I'd never met anyone else like that before. I felt the depth of love and concern as you listened to me and didn't judge me. You tried to understand me. You sympathized and you celebrated with me. You demonstrated kindness and generosity, and not just to me, but to other people as well. And you stood for something. You were willing to go against the grain of society and follow what you believed to be true, no matter what people said, and no matter how much it cost you. And for those reasons and a whole host of others, I found myself really wanting what you had. Now that I've become a Christian, I wanted to write to tell you I am grateful beyond words for how you lived out your Christian life in front of me. Basically, she was saying, thank you for being a contagious Christian. And so may we. May we be ready to, with our lives, live to glorify God, to glorify Jesus, to give our hope for a reason that we have with great gentleness and the fear of God. May we be able to have, with a good and clear conscience, knowing that we have lived our lives as well as we can for him, as spokenly, as clearly as we can for him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our lives are open before you. You know us through and through. You know when we are living lives for you. You know when we're living lives for other reasons. And yet, Lord, you still love us through and through. Because we are worth, you are, you have, you died on the cross for us, Lord. 
And so because of that, because you consider this worth that, we have now been called to live our lives for you in the face of this world, whether that the people around us are against you or are listening. We pray, Lord, that you would work through us by your grace and by your mercy. That we would humbly, gently, respectfully, reverently speak for you, live for you in this world. And Lord, whether it comes to persecution or not, we pray, Lord, that you would work through us, sustain us by your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Peter. So as a response to what we've just been hearing, we're going to sing the song, Jesus Be the Centre, which asks Jesus to be at the centre of all that we are and all that we do, because he's the one that equips us and he's the one that empowers us. So you might want to remain seated to sing, or you may want to stand, whatever you would prefer to do. And can, we, can we sing it through two or three times? Is that, is that okay? then let's see I just want us to have a little bit of a little bit of space so all right thank you
We're going to move into a time of prayer now, and um, for this today, I'm going to use um, the format of this time tomorrow, which I'm guessing most of you are quite familiar with by now. Um, so we're going to do it in two sections. I'm going to come and ask two or three people with this microphone um, just to say where they're going to be this time tomorrow. So it's nothing complicated. You don't need to worry if you see me coming towards you. I haven't primed anyone. You just literally need to say where you'll be this time tomorrow morning. And then I'm going to attempt to remember what you said and, um, and pray for you. And then we're going to widen it out a little bit and we're going to think um, about um, the challenges that people in our country and in our world might be facing this time tomorrow and pray for them. So hopefully, does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. And we're going to have a PowerPoint for the second part as well to aid us in our prayers. So I'm going to come and um, just ask two or three people. Jessica, can you just tell me where you'll be this time tomorrow? Is that all right? School. Okay, school. Jessica's going to be at school. That's good. That's what I was hoping she might say. Where are you going to be this time tomorrow? At school. At school as well. And I'm guessing you two might be as well. Okay, so we're going to pray for all of you at school. Excellent. Um, right. Let me see. Uh, Chris, where will you be this time tomorrow? I'll probably be at school as well. <laughs> right, we're going to pray for schools definitely then. Um, who else shall I ask? Um, you're going to be at school, so I won't ask you. Um, Malcolm, where will you be? I should be uh, having a walk around, around the village, probably um, with Hill for part of a walk. Is that because you go on further or...? Okay, all right, so we will pray for you. And Anne, where will you be this time tomorrow? I'll be at Sunbeams. Excellent, okay, right. Let's pray for these people. Father God, we pray for um, Jessica and for all those who, and for Chris, and for all those who are going to be at school or college or university tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you will be with them as they start this new week. I pray that you will shine brightly through them, and I pray that you will um, be in their conversations, that you'll be in the way that they interact with their friends, that you'll be with them in all aspects of this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Lord, I thank you for the beauty of your creation. I thank you that um, Malcolm and Hilary are going to be enjoying a walk um, tomorrow morning. Lord, I pray that the weather will be 
um, kind for them. And I pray for any conversations, um, unexpected conversations that they may have as they encounter people on their walk tomorrow morning. I pray that you will be um, with them and that you will be at the centre of, um, of all that they do tomorrow as well. And Lord, I pray for Anne at Sunbeams and the rest of us who will be there um, tomorrow morning meeting with the uh, parents, grandparents, carers and children that come each week, the majority of whom don't know you. Lord, we're short, um, we're short staff tomorrow with Joyce away and Marie has COVID, so Lord, we pray your blessing on them. But we pray for all of us that even though um, we may be a bit short-handed tomorrow, I pray that um, we will still have time to come alongside these parents, grandparents, carers and children, and that we will be filled with your love and with your joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Right, can we have our um, PowerPoint now? We'll widen our prayers out a little bit. Okay, let's pray together again. We pray for our leaders that they may govern us wisely and lead with compassion and integrity. And Lord Jesus, we continue to pray for all those who this time tomorrow will be struggling under the, under the pressure of increased energy costs, rising prices and crippling mortgage repayments. And we pray about the war in Ukraine. We pray for all those who this time tomorrow will be continuing to suffer as a result of this needless war. We pray for an end to the conflict and for right and just decisions about military support for Ukraine to be made. And Lord, we pray for all those affected by drought and famine in East Africa. We pray for aid to be swift in getting to those who need it and for a compassionate and speedy response from all of those in a position to help. Father God, in this dark world, may the light and hope of Jesus shine brightly in us and through us, today, tomorrow, this week, and always. Amen. Amen. Right, we're going to share the peace in just a moment. So, as usual, can I suggest that if you would prefer not to be approached during this time, that you sit down once the invitation to share the peace has been made. But for now, can I ask you all please to stand if you're able to.
Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. Let's offer one another a sign of God's peace.
going to use a uh, child-friendly communion liturgy this morning. Uh, I think we've used it before, and uh, the words will be on the screen behind me. And uh, when we reach uh, some particular words, uh, it's in the thankfulness, uh, it's the holy, 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 um, we repeat that word three times, so holy, holy, holy. And in this particular liturgy, the invitation is to join in with the final holy. So I will say holy, holy, and then you all join in and there are holy. And then towards the end, uh, there are the three amens in the same liturgy followed by I say amen, I say amen twice, and you join in with the last amen. Uh, it's in bold, don't worry, it's in bold. It's, um, uh, but it's, it's, it's there on the, on the words. Amen. 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 
and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. 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 And so we pray the prayer that Jesus himself taught us at the Lord's Supper. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share the body of Christ. So we are one. We are one. Because we all share in one. Draw near with care. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and the blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance of Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We'll continue our normal practice of taking the bread from the centre table and the wine from either side, and the non-alcoholic wine will be on the table on that side of the church, and the spiritual guide should follow.
me off guard. I thought you were finishing off anyway. <laughs> we're going to stand and sing our final hymn, And Can It Be?
And now a prayer of blessing. Let's say these words together. No, okay, I will pray the the prayer of blessing for us. May the peace of God enfold us, the love of God uphold us, the power of God ignite us, the wisdom of God control us, this day, this week, and always. Amen. And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of